Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Either God didn't get the memo, because sometimes he doesn't, right? Or God just doesn't care about our perception of fairness. Jacob doesn't deserve God's goodness. Jacob is bad. Jacob, he's the story. I love, I like movies because sometimes in movies they do this fantastic job of getting you to just hate somebody. You don't know this person. You just, you hear a story about them and by the end you're like, you know, with all of our righteous indignation, we're like, kill him, kill him good. Because the good guy gets blessed, the bad guy gets killed, right? And so here we are in the story, and Jacob's the deceiver. He's good for nothing. He's the bad guy. And what happens? God blesses him. Jacob is bad. God blesses him. Jacob is bad again. God blesses him again. Until, until God, this is, and are you with me? Jacob is bad, God blesses him. Jacob is bad again, God blesses him. God blesses him until God is finished giving Jacob everything that God had promised to give him. It is as though God works on his own rules. It's like he gets to do whatever he wants to do. Instead of whenever we lay out the rules of fairness, he's like, yeah, I'm just not going to work that way. he think he is? All right, verse 16. I could have titled this, In Spite of All of Us. That would have been a good, that would have been a better title. I, that would have been a gooder title. Verse 16, that's what I started to say. All right, verse 16. We got to hurry because we're, we're a long way away. Verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, from his, my stone pillow, and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But when he was also, but he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone that he had rested uh, his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. That's a great name. Then Jacob made this vow. So now he's going to make this vow. The Lord shows up. He's running for his life because he's terrible. The Lord shows up to him and says, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you big. I'm going to bless you tremendously. I'm going to bless all the families on the earth through you. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing. And if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. This is kind of like whenever your kid says, well, if you take really good care of me, then I'll be nice to you. I'm like a little punk. You better be nice to me or I'll just take you out in the backyard and you'll disappear. Y'all are going to think I'm a terrible person. I am. This is why I need Jesus. And you laugh at me as though you think differently, you liar. (laughs) Jacob made this vow of God. Let's skip down. And then 
Uh, yeah, and if I return safely, then you, the Lord will certainly be my God. Verse 22, and this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. God's blessing him with everything, and Jacob's like, I'll give you a tenth. There you go, it's that chip to the dealer, right? There's a bad reference, skip. We'll edit that out. And none of you know what, even know what that means. God has kept Jacob this far. God, who kept Jacob this far? God kept. He's deserved to die multiple times. Esau comes in from the playground. He's like, I don't know what happened, mom. Jacob just tripped and fell on the rake multiple times. I don't know. God has kept Jacob this far. Jacob has the birthright of the firstborn son when he didn't deserve it. Jacob received his father's final blessing when he didn't deserve it. Esau was not killed. Uh, Esau has not killed sweet little Jacob. Jacob is on his way to get an awesome wife while Esau is going to go marry one of those less than desirable women on the bad side of the family. God has promised more, numerous descendants, land, blessing, protection, and now Jacob says, if God is with me, if God protects me on my little journey, if he feeds me well and clothes me well, if I return home, then I will, I will acknowledge that God is God. And I just wanna shake Jacob and say, are you serious? Jacob is a deceiver. He's good for nothing, yet God has cared for him and made grandiose promises to him. Now Jacob says to God, says that if God does all these wonderful things, that Jacob will give God a tenth of all that he has. Do you see how ridiculous this is? I just think it's ridiculous. Jacob deserves nothing. God is presently, presently blessing Jacob with everything. And Jacob is going to benevolently, benevolently acknowledge that the Lord is God. And he's going to ceremoniously present God with a tenth of all that he has as if it's a big deal. You should write this down. God is glorious in spite of Jacob, not because of Jacob. Get your brain around that. Jacob is is good for nothing. God is glorious in spite of Jacob, not because of Jacob. There's a great relationship to where we are in our lives in this, because sometimes we think, well, if I get it all right, then God will be glorious in my life. Sweetheart, God is glorious in spite of you. Here again, we're back to, Brent, you don't know how bad I am. You don't know how glorious my God is. If you're worse than, than Jacob, then you need to stay away from me. But God can still be glorious in your life. I'm kidding. I, won't, I haven't killed anybody in a long time. Three. I wrote times in my notes and we're behind. This is a great title. A well, two wives, and a bunch of kids. First, chapter 29. 
If you have two wives, then it follows. Anyway, then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving in the land of the east. He saw a well in the distance. Three flocks, this is a great story. Uh, Three flocks of sheep and goats lay in an open field beside the well, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone covered the mouth of the well. It was the custom there to wait for all of the flocks to arrive before removing the stone and watering the animals. Afterward, the stone would be placed back on the mouth of of the well. Uh, They did this so that everybody got a fair share because if one person shows up early and they drink all the water out of the well, then the other people don't get water. So they they all show up at the same time, open the well. It gets distributed evenly because people share the well, okay? Jacob went over to the shepherds that were there and he asked, where are you from, my friends? He's just Mr. Jolly Happy. Hey, guys, where are you from? We're from Haran, they answered. Do you know a man there named Laban, the son of, uh uh-oh, Nehor, he asked. Remember that? Yes, we do, they replied. Is he doing well, Jacob asked. Yes, he's doing well, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the flock. Cue the music. She's walking across. Verse 7, we don't have time for that. Jacob said, look, it's still broad daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep and the goats so that they can go back out to the pasture? That makes perfect sense. We can't water the animals until all the flocks have arrived, they replied. Then the shepherds, then the, he's continuing, they're continuing on to explain. Then the shepherds moved the stone from the mouth of the well, and and then we water all the sheep and goats together. Verse 9, Jacob was still talking when, with them when Rachel arrived with her father's flock, for she was a shepherd. And, Rachel, and because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well and he moved the stone from its mouth and he watered his uncle's flock. So he broke tradition. He's like, listen, Rachel's here out of respect for Laban and his, his uncle and the family. Like, we're not waiting. I'm going to take the stone away. They need to get their flocks watered so that they can go on. You guys will be fine. Watch this. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept aloud. <laughs> right? Poor guy, he's never going to get a girl. You can't kiss a girl and then cry. If you kiss a girl and she cries, that's a whole other story. And in our culture, this doesn't work. It's funny. But in that culture, Jacob is overwhelmed with excitement to see his family. And so this is a familial kiss at this point. This is, man, I'm so happy to see you. So Jacob kissed Rachel. He wept aloud. That's a little embarrassing for a manly man. He experienced, if you use a stone for a rock and then you cry later... I guess it all balances out. I don't know. He explained to Rachel that he was, see, you guys, sometimes people say, I don't like the Old Testament. Are you kidding? This is phenomenal. He explained to Rachel that he was her cousin and her father's on her father's side and the son of her aunt, Rebecca. So, uh, so Rachel quickly ran and told her father, Laban. As soon as Laban heard that his nephew, Jacob, had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him. See, they're a kissing culture. And brought him home. When Jacob had told him his story, Laban exclaimed, you really are my own flesh and blood. Last time that we saw Ra- Laban, 
He was watching his sister, Rebecca, leave to go uh, back to Canaan to be married to Isaac. And so we know Laban from back then. Now his, his nephew is showing up uh, looking for a wife, you know, keep it all in the family kind of thing. After Jacob had stayed, come on, you guys, that was funny. After Jacob had stayed with Laban for about, it was twisted. After Jacob had stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, you shouldn't work for me without pay just because we are relatives. There's a novel idea. Tell me how much your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah. And the younger daughter was, we already met her, we already kissed her, Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. That's a euphemism for, she didn't look very good. (laughs) The last time I preached this passage, we actually had people leave the church because I said that. (laughs) It is still. (laughs) Like somebody left the church. (laughs) There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. But Rachel, yeah, oh, poor Leah. There's no sparkle in Leah's eyes. But Rachel, I did not write this. I do not edit this. And I'm not going to comment on it. I'm just going to read it. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was already in love with Rachel, he told his father, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban jumped on this deal. He's like, seven years for her? Shoot ya. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed like just a few days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Verse 21, finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so that I can sleep with her. Keep it PG-13. Come on, this is a family church. Verse 22, so Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob. Remember, she's the one that's not so pretty. And he slept with her. It was a no moon night. It was really, really dark. (laughs) Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. Verse 25. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, whoa! (laughs) Like, hey, this is awkward. (laughs) It was Leah! What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. Doesn't this make you happy? It's like, Jacob, you're a sucker. You got the ugly girl. Ha! You deserve it. He goes to Laban. He's furious. He's been working seven years dreaming of this moment to be with Rachel. And he's just so happy. And he wakes up and is, ah. It's not what I bargained for. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? The deceiver has been deceived. It's not our custom. I love this. Laban, he's Mr. Cool. He's got his cup of tea. He's like, it's not our custom to marry off our younger daughter ahead of the firstborn. Laban replied, 
but wait until the bridal week is over. Spend the rest of the week with Leah. Then we'll get you Rachel too. I'll, we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years. <laughs> Laban, he's a genius. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave Rachel a servant, Bilhah, that's gonna be important down the road to be her maid. So Laban slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. This is where the story gets sad. He then stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. Two wives. That's a good thing, right? Now, I'm going to summarize chapter 29. Basically, here, here's what happens. The Lord is compassionate for unloved Leah, and he gives Leah with Jacob, four sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, okay? Rachel goes without a child because Isaac loves her and God's like, nope, joke's on you. Verse 30, or chapter 30, Rachel gets really jealous of, Le of Leah having babies. So she pleads with Jacob. <laughs> She's like, give me children or I'll die. That's what the scripture says. Rachel gives her her servant Bilhah to Jacob. We've seen this before. And of course, Bilhah becomes pregnant with Dan and Naphtali. Leah feels left out. So she gives Jacob her maid servant as well. And they have Gad and Asher. Later, Jacob and Leah, they have Zebulun and they also have a daughter. And finally, Rachel gives birth to Joseph. And we're familiar with that story. So there's 12 sons in all, the 12 sons of of Jacob, all right? Now we begin to see how God is going to multiply the descendants of Abraham. The family tree has been pretty straight so far. And now through Jacob, it's going to go crazy. Here we go. I have 10 minutes to cover the next 12 pages of notes. Uh, number four, speckled, spotted, and striped. Speckled, spotted, and striped. Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Jacob said to Laban, please release me so that I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children for I have earned them by serving you and let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I've worked for you. Please listen to me, Laban replied. I have become wealthy for the Lord has blessed me because of you. Tell me how much I owe you. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. I think it's intriguing that while Laban is not part of God's promise or blessing, he still gets blessed just by being close to Jacob. Verse 29, Jacob replied, you know how hard I've worked for you and how your flocks and herds have grown under my care. You had very little, you had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything I've done. But now, what about me? When can I start providing for my own family? Verse 31. What wages do you want? Laban asked him again. Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing and I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. So now we have two deal makers. Let's see how this is going to work out. Verse 32. Let me inspect your flocks. Jacob is speaking. Let me inspect your flocks today, today, and remove all of the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted, along with all of the black sheep. 
Give these to me, all of the imperfect animals. Give these to me as, as my wages. In the future, when you check on the animals uh, you have given me as my wages, you'll see that I have been honest. Because the idea is that imperfect animals will breed and become imperfect animals also. Or they'll give birth to imperfect animals, right? So if you have all the speckled, spotted, and striped ones, they'll give birth to all the speckled, spotted, and striped ones. If you find in your flock any goats without speckles or spots or any sheep, that are not black, you will know that I have stolen from you. Okay? All of the speckled, spotted animals will be Jacob's wages. Verse 34. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches and all of the black sheep. He placed them in the care of his sons who took them three days journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. Do you see what just happened? Laban removed any animals that would have been wages to Jacob. Again, the deceiver has been deceived by uncle slash father-in-law Laban. But Jacob has a plan of his own. Then Jacob took, you got to follow this close. Then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, for that was where they mated. And when they mated in front of the white streaked branches, they gave birth to young that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Now, I don't think that they teach this like in breeders' genetics. I don't know. Okay. Verse 40. Jacob separated these lambs from Laban's flock. And at mating time, he turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were streaked or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's flock. Okay. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches in the watering troughs in front of the strong females. Then they would, then they would mate in front of the branches, but he didn't do this with the weaker ones. So the weaker lambs belong to Laban and the stronger ones belong to Jacob. <laughs> Jacob intentionally in his mind, I believe was breeding weaker animals to belong to Laban and the stronger animals to belong to him. These guys just can't get enough of doing each other wrong. Verse 34, as a result, Jacob become very, became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels and donkeys. Jacob becomes rich, becomes massively rich. Is it because, here's the question, is it because Jacob deceptively peeled branches and put them in the watering troughs? Or is it because God was taking care of him? I'm not convinced that peeled branches have anything to do with genetics. I am convinced. I am convinced that God blesses. God keeps his word. God keeps his promise. God keeps his covenant in spite of Jacob. Chapter 31, verse 1. 
last chapter. <laughs> but Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. Uh-oh. Jacob has robbed our father of everything, they said. I mean, that's not really what happened. That's not really what happened at all, but that's their perception of of things. He has gained all of his wealth at, father, at our father's expense, and Jacob began to notice a change in Laban's attitude toward him. So you know when your father-in-law is upset, right? Uh-oh. Then the Lord said to Jacob, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father and your grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. So Jacob called Rachel and Leah out of the field where he was watching his flock, where where he was watching his flock. And he said to them, I have noticed that your father's attitude toward me has changed, but God, but the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I have worked for your father, but he has cheated me, changing my wages 10 times. But God, now I think Jacob, there's this light starting to flicker, but God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For if, he had, for if he said, the speckled animals will be your wages, the whole flock began to produce speckled young. And whenever he changed his mind and said, the striped animals will be your wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. God did it. Jacob is well aware he doesn't know anything about genetics. God did it. Verse 10, one time during the, Jacob goes on to explain, one time during the mating season, I had a dream and I saw that the male goats mating with the female goats were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here I am. The angel said, look up and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock for I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel. The place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now, get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah responded, that's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. And after he sold us, he wasted the money you paid for us. All the wealth... God has given you, God has given you from our father legally belongs to us and our children. So go ahead and do whatever God has told you. Now, I would like to believe that Jacob really does get it right now. That he realizes that God keeps his promise in spite of Jacob's attempt to manipulate the situation himself. It is not reliant upon Jacob to make himself wealthy or to have a bunch of children church God made a promise to Abraham Isaac and Jacob none of them are stellar get her done kind of guys they were imperfect they were incapable this is important they were incapable of fulfilling God's destiny in their own life on their own. Are you, are you there? Now we'll pause for a moment because if we acknowledge that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of the Jews, of the Hebrew people, the patriarchs of Christianity, if they couldn't do it, then we have to acknowledge, guess what? You can't either. God is not faithful because his people are so capable. 
God is faithful because he is God. He is all powerful. God is faithful in spite of you. Not a real encouraging sermon, huh? Of course it is. God intentionally uses all of us imperfect people who are, in a sense, speckled, spotted, and striped to fulfill his promise miraculously. You can choose to focus on the failure of yourself on your own imperfections. You can choose to focus on the imperfection of others. We would never do that. We might get discouraged if we focus on the imperfection of ourselves or others. Or we can focus on the God who works out his glory for his purposes for his righteousness. Wow, God did that. It is because of Jesus that God is glorified in you, not because of you. We have the glory of God in spite of ourselves. We have the glory of God because that's just who he is. And he shows up and is present in the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He washes us white as clean through the blood of Jesus. The white as snow as through the blood of Jesus. He, he is magnificent. And we get to live in the fulfillment of his promise. Let's all stand together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for this incredible story of what you are doing in Jacob's life, that you are the promise giver and that you are the promise fulfiller. And we get to be the object of your grace. This morning, Lord, we, we sing about your greatness and we read about your greatness. And Father, uh, this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit will let this message, your word, sink very deep down into our souls so that it will shape how we deal with people in our lives. Father, we can't expect them to be perfect because we're not perfect. But we can expect that you will offer your grace to other people through us, because you've offered us this incredible mercy and this incredible grace. Lord, I pray that in every one of our lives, your glory will shine through us so that the world will know that Jesus really is the answer. It has nothing to do with our abilities or our inabilities. It has everything to do with what a magnificent God is doing in our lives. We surrender our lives to you wholly and completely and trust that you will transform our hearts as we put our faith in you. Father, we just love you, Lord. We thank you. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in our church. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone say amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.